0: Red Sox fans,
1: here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Hello everyone and welcome back. This is the first episode of Red Sox Deep Dives, which will be released 24 hours after the midweek show. With me back for this episode, Joe Goddard, Doug James, got three topics tonight we're going to get into. Danny Santana is about to be called up, so some more details will come out after this show, but we'll kind of get into uh, a little bit of who he is, what we expect from him, and what a couple of the roster moves might have been. Next, we'll get into Chris Sale. He'll be activated probably within the next six weeks or so. Going to be a tough decision who to bounce out of the rotation, so we'll get into who the odd man out could be. And then which division rival scares us the most right now. We'll get into all of it this episode. Ready for part two, guys? Always. All right. So, like I said, Danny Santana about to be... Called up onto the roster for the start of the Philly series. Alex Cora was questioned on it today and he said he couldn't reveal any information. And I thought that was interesting because he's either going to make a very unpopular decision. That's going to get the fans upset a little bit, uh, which could result into some tough questions from the beat writers or Maybe a player is gonna get DFA'd and you simply don't wanna you don't wanna talk about that twenty-four hours beforehand, especially if you might have needed him in the last game of the Toronto series. So um let's just start off with that. What what do you guys think the roster move will be? Na na
2: na na <laughs> na, na 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 hey 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 goodbye. Austin Bryce is gone. I'm so excited. I would wait to sing that all night. He's going to be DFA'd from the 40-man roster to make make room for Danny Santana. We've been waiting for it for two weeks. I'm so happy it's finally here. Uh, um, I hope that's the move. If it's an unpopular move elsewhere, we'll deal with that when it rains. But my, for all intents and purposes, I'm assuming that the reason didn't want to talk about it is he hadn't yet informed Austin Bryce that he was being designated for assignment and so therefore did not want to discuss it with the media. That's me on happy street. That's what I'm hoping for. Doug, do you have any different thoughts or do you
0: agree with me? Oh, no, I agree with you. It's t- enough. Bye-bye, Austin. Bryce, it's been fun knowing you. Uh, you watch him. You talk about getting sick to your stomach. Like I just feel like I'm going to vomit every time I watch him pitch. Uh, you know, I-, I would love to see Franchi go because I'm not a Franchi Cordero guy either. But Austin Bryce is by far the worst player on this team. And it's more than time for him to leave. So he's the only really good in there when you're up 12 nothing. when you're down 12 nothing. Even when you're up 12 nothing, I feel like he's going to give up 13 runs because he's just atrocious. So, yeah, bye-bye, Austin Bryce, and uh, thanks for your service, but see you later.
2: Yeah, it, it's a move, Terry, where I think the reason that we're both on the Austin Bryce trade is we need to clear a roster spot for the 40-man roster. Santana's not on there yet, so that's why I think it's Austin Bryce. But do you have different thoughts?
1: No, it, it's almost certainly going to be Bryce. And another reason he'll be DFA'd is he's simply out of options. So you can't just send him down. So he'll be put on waivers. If some if a team claims him, they basically get him for free. Um, if he clears waivers, then the Red Sox might be able to give him an outright assignment in which he'll just play uh, in Pawtucket, not on the 40 man. So, so we can all agree on that. The other possibility is do they have a corresponding move that they'll also make in addition to that to, to bring another pitcher up from Pawtucket? Well, I, I, it's probably not going to be Bizardo because he has the lat thing going on, so that's probably at least a week or two out for him. But do they bring someone up? And if they do bring up another pitcher – that's going to probably send either Franchi Cordero or Michael Chavis down uh, to be option. So I'm just wondering if multiple dominoes will fall here. The bullpen isn't too taxed, so there's not necessarily a need to do that, uh, at least within the next few days. But um,
2: Well, so we have a, a day off after the Philly series. I would expect probably another move after that to bring up the pitcher. and a a corresponding, you know, position player to be sent down. But I would expect us to move away from the three-man bench for this interleague series. You probably get one more, you know, you bring up Danny Santana, you get one more guy that can hit for the pitcher uh, if you need to make a move there so you don't have both catchers in the game by the seventh inning. Um, And, you, you know, you can juggle some prospects around a little bit. Santana can play infield and outfield, so... It doesn't necessarily mean we see more Franchi Cordero and less Michael Chavis, but um, I'm interested to see how this one, you know, rolls out a little bit over the next couple of days.
1: Well, let's get into exactly that. Where does he slot in better? Because I'm starting to get the feeling Kike is more of an outfielder now than a second baseman. So do we see Santana in the infield a little bit more?
2: Well, his strongest positions in the past have been shortstop. We don't need him at shortstop. First base. Right now, with the way Dahlbeck's playing, we don't need him at first base. I guess that could change. Uh, And in the outfield. So I think he slots in really into that fourth outfielder role that Marwin Gonzalez has kind of been playing a little bit, where he doesn't really play a lot of outfield, but when you need him, you need him. Uh, I think... He saved a little bit from that, he might not even get into this series as a starter at any point because J.D. Martinez is going to play left field. Um, then you probably have a combination of Marwin, Hunter, and PK uh, in the other two slots. So he might not get into this series to start a game, but if he does, I would imagine probably right field. Um, I just don't see another spot for him right now, unless you're going to not play Marlon Gonzalez in favor of Danny Santana and we know how much Cora likes Marlon Gonzalez. I just don't see it.
1: Well Hunter Renfro is not a good right handed hitter and we're gonna be we're gonna be facing three righties, so some, may, maybe that some could good righties as well. maybe that could be a solution there.
0: Doug, where how do you see him slotting in? If he's gonna get into the Philly series, I see right field as well. Like I said, Hunter Renfro I, I have my thoughts on him, but like I'm fine with Renfro as a platoon guy. So if you have Santana and Renfro going, you know, when Santana's, you know, facing right-handed pitching, I'm fine with Santana in there. When Renfro's in there against lefties, I'm fine with that too. I would like to see Santana get mysterious just to see what we have, with, you know, what we can get out of him though. Cause he's been, you know, hitting really well, Worcester, Worcester, uh, 364, two home runs, six ribbies. So, and he's versatile, like we said, and we know how Alex Cora loves his versatile players with Marwin. So, I'm kind of excited to see Danny Santana come in, and I'm hoping he takes one of, takes one of the uh, quarter outfield spots once uh, Cordero hopefully will be gone, so that maybe we can see Santana there. But, yeah, I, I'd be kind of surprised if we see him in this series too. I hope we do, but I'd be kind of surprised if we did. You yeah, know, I think for
2: sure we'll see him. I just don't know in what capacity. I don't think he gets a start. Um, I just I don't see it happening the way that Chavis is hitting. He probably starts in second. You probably move, uh, you probably move Marwin to the outfield. But if you do want to put him in this series, it's going to be in right field. I just don't see EK sitting down the way he's hitting, and you're not going to sit JD Martinez against a tough Philly. It's
1: hard to imagine Alex Verdugo not getting uh time. So it's it really is kind of a tough spot to to have an interleague series be the first one he gets called up for. Uh as far as his makeup and everything, Danny Santana is a Career 260 hitter, a career 299 on base guy. So he's not going to draw a ton of walks. Very versatile, which is the, the theme of Heim Bloom being the chief baseball officer. Interestingly, he typically hasn't been a power hitter. If you look at 2019, he hit 28 bombs out of nowhere year before that, he hit zero. I think he was injured, limited to only, I think, 15 games. 2017, hit four home runs. 2016, hit only two. Hit zero home runs in 2015. And then his rookie year, 2014, hit seven. But then again, 2019 came out of nowhere. It kind of reminds me of Jacoby Ellsbury's uh, wink, wink, 32 home run season that came out of nowhere.
2: Well, let's hope it's Jacoby Ellsbury's 32 home run season and not Barry Bonds um, type season because he those kind of numbers don't come out of nowhere. And he went back to hitting 145 in 3.5 in 2020. Uh, he didn't have a great pandemic season. Nobody, you know, None of those pandemic stats count, but he didn't do a lot of home runs, didn't hit for average. So the, the Red Sox are banking on him hitting as the guy that he was in 2019 and not the guy that he was for most of his career. Uh, I don't necessarily know that they need that. They just need a guy who can play good defense and put the bat on the ball. If he can hit 240, that's 60 points higher than Franchi Cordero. So I'm okay with it. I like the move. I've been ready to see him for the last three weeks. Um, I'm hoping that it's not a long-term solution for this team. I don't want him to be you know, on the 25 man, if it's going to cost either Aruz, Arroyo or Chavis uh, too much playing time, I think all three of those guys are deserving of opportunities, and all three of those guys have shined in limited moments. So, I hope that he's not here for the, you know, the long haul, uh, but he might very well be. And if he proves me wrong, I'll be as happy as I was when Richards went struck out, you know, Ted guys.
0: I mean, all we really want is him to have a little bit better numbers than Francie Cordero, right? I mean, that's not going to take that much, so he can't be worse than Francie. And so I think we're all ready to pull the plug on that experiment. So, like we said, hopefully he's not—you know—he hopefully he's not starting every game. But if he can just do, you know, hit like you said, two thirty-five, two forty-five, put the bat on the ball, and play okay defense, I mean, that's already—it's already an upgrade from Francie Cordero. So.
1: Yeah, he doesn't seem like he'll be an everyday player. Uh, I was trying to look at his his right-handed numbers because it could be a, a ideal platoon situation with a guy like Renfro, but unfortunately he's only, I think, like a 260 guy against against right-handed hitters. So, yeah. Um, that, that won't. That type of platoon isn't really going to be viable. So, uh, and we also got guys down on the farm that could get called up. Jaron Duran, Tristan Casas has been an absolute monster. So any of those guys could potentially make Danny Santana a kind of a short term guy in Boston. Um, another thing we need to factor in here is Christian Arroyo is going to eventually come back. I think he's. Within the, the next few days, going to be making some rehab starts with Worcester. So I lo- I'm i an Arroyo guy. The only thing that concerns me at this point is he, he always finds a way to get injured, regardless of it's not. It's and never, it's
2: been that hand a couple of times. It's been that hand a couple of times. Uh, so year. that's a recurring injury at this point.
1: Yeah. And I remember the, the second time he got hit, he didn't even try to move. He just got hit. And I, I don't know what he was thinking. But but he's definitely been a spark plug. And I, I thought would probably be the, the everyday second baseman. But there's a bunch of guys on this team that, that would love taking his job. Michael Chavis is one of them. With Chavis and Dahlbeck, Dahlbeck's won it. So Chavis isn't a threat to Dahlbeck, but I'm wondering if Chavis could be a threat to Arroyo at this point, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, Chris Sale coming back probably within the next six weeks or so. Every report we get is overwhelmingly positive. He's throwing hard, and if we know Chris Sale well enough, He can't wait to get back. He's obsessed with whatever date that's going to end up being. And when he does, who's the odd man out right now? Pavetta, Richards, uh, I think at the start of the season, we thought one of them would, would be the odd man out. But I think they're the two safest guys in the rotation right now. So you got Perez, you got Evoldi, and you got Erod. Who gets bounced?
2: I hate to say this. We talked about it a little bit during spring training. I think Nathan Avaldi might be the odd man out, assuming everyone is healthy. The reason I say that is because he could be a big X factor from the playoffs in the bullpen. If he has to throw three innings instead of five innings, we know he can be electric in that spot. We've seen it. Um, and he just hasn't ever thrown – Two hundred innings in a year, in his career. So I just don't know that he wouldn't be the odd man out to preserve his health for a potential run in September. Uh, but then again, we don't know what the health of this roster is going to look like. You know, in six weeks. In six weeks, we could very much we could be looking at a very different rotation in which a combination of the guys we have now and Connor Seabold and Tanner Houck are all you know mixing it up for roster spots so the odd man out i think is going to be whoever is not who is least healthy at that point and then whoever has the most innings pitched is probably going to be one of those guys that might be the odd man out i think the only safe option uh at this point in time is eduardo rodriguez because his ceiling is much higher than everybody else um and then again you know he is on an expiring contract as is Martin Perez, you can pitch both of those guys into the dirt if you want to. So I don't think either of those guys is in any position to lose their jobs, and I don't necessarily, you know, believe Chris Sale is going to slot right back into a starter's role either. So there's a possibility Chris Sale gets stretched out, and you know he pitches three innings at a time in the bullpen instead,
0: um, just to keep his, you know, his innings count low. So. I think the odd man out of the rotation, like we were saying, we could make an argument that Eduardo Rodriguez has been the worst pitcher in this pitching staff this year. That being said, I think it's going to be Martin Perez. He could solve an issue in the bullpen because at this point, I don't know about you guys, but there's no lefty in the bullpen I trust to get anyone out. So he would help there. Um, eat up a plenty of innings. So in case you know one of our starters does get shelled, you could plug him right in there, and he could eat up you know four or five innings right just like that. So I feel like when Sale does come back, I think we'll end up getting more than one Perez day a week and he's gonna be the guy in our bullpen. Um Avaldi's interesting because of what he can you know, what we see him do in the bullpen, he's electric. You know, you don't have that one, you know, that one, two, three and through the lineup, you don't see him once instead of like like I said, three, four times. So Valdi could be electric in the bullpen, but if I had a guess, I would I would go with Martin Perez today. That's what I would say right now.
1: You you mentioned uh, not trusting a lefty, but I just happen to have it right here. This is Josh Taylor's month of May. Seven relief appearances, five and one-third inning pitched. Only gave up one hit so far the entire month of May. No runs, four strikeouts, 0.75 whip. He's getting it together, and he's a bad starter. And he seems to kind of get into form, so hopefully we see that from him. But it is interesting, you know. Perez is a lefty, so that is plausible. Job makes a good point, and I also made similar observations this past uh, winter. You can put Valdi in the bullpen, and maybe that's how you get him through the full season. He's pitched; he's never pitched 200 innings. He's pitched. 199 innings once. That was back in 2014 with the Miami Marlins. Next highest uh, inning total was the following year, 154 innings. His third highest total, 2016, 124 innings. That season was cut short by uh, Tommy John surgery. Since then, he's, he's hit. 111 once. So the point I'm getting at here is it's been a long time since you've gotten Volde through a full season. He's 31, 32 years old. I think putting him in the bullpen would be, would be fine. And then if you don't have confidence in the back end of your rotation by the time the playoffs get here, stretch him back out again and then slot him back in the rotation. I think that would be... Uh, an ideal situation, and I think that gives you your best odds of having Evaldi for the full season with minimal time, if any, on the disabled list, injured list. I'm never going to get over that. Um, you, you and I see eye-to-eye eye on that, Terry. and the reason I disagree with you, Doug, is mostly because I
2: think even though Martin Perez could be a great innings eater in the bullpen, he's also... The one guy out of the five that you know is going to make a start every fifth day, you know, come rain or shine, he's going to pitch. That's not a guarantee for any of the other guys in the the rotation. And on top of that, he's on a one-year deal. So you can pitch him 200 innings and really wear out his arm, and it doesn't necessarily affect you that much because you know in the playoffs when you go to a four-man rotation, Martin Perez is probably the odd man.
0: See, I actually agree with you guys. I would do. I would put Evaldi in there. I don't think Cora is going to, though. So it was up to me. I would put Valdi in the bullpen as well. But we all know what kind of manager he is a player's manager. With Seventeen million dollars in your bullpen. What does that tell you about Evaldi? Is he going to do that to Nathan? I don't know if he's gonna. So I just figured the easiest solution would be just put Perez in there and he could be a lefty long man. But like I said, if it was up to me, and I do agree with you guys, I would put Evaldi in there as well.
1: See, the thing with Evaldi is, yeah, he is getting $17 million a year, but is he a $17 million a year pitcher? No. And no matter how bad we try, we're never going to make him that. He's never going to be that. So you may as well just utilize him the best way possible. But let me, let me present another scenario here. Connor Seabold, Tanner Houck resumed their throwing programs today. They had some elbow issues. Heim Bloom said he wasn't particularly worried about either of them. That seems far-fetched to me because those don't typically end well. But if he's right and it was just a minor blip and they're going to get back on their programs, we all expected Tanner Houck to be up maybe even by now, mid-May. And he hasn't because he he did get sidetracked but what if what if the rotation is healthy by the time sale does come back and one of these guys gets dangled out on the market i've kind of felt we need an outfield power bat you know, a 3,100 guy, even if it's not, you know, it might not be a 300 hitter. It might be a 250 hitter. I don't have a list up of who, who that could possibly be, but, um, but maybe, maybe you address a need by, by shipping one of these guys. So let me, let me frame it to you this way. If a trade is made, Who's the Who's the likely guy to get moved out of this rotation?
2: Uh, I think the likely guy that you go after is probably Joey Gallo from
1: uh-huh. the Rangers, and in that. that case,
2: you need to move on from a, a left-handed, probably starting pitcher. I don't see Hein Bloom moving on from one of the cost-controlled guys, uh, which would be Hauk, Siebold, um, and then Pavetta, who's his guy and. Richards, who's on a one-year deal, is probably not getting moved.
1: Yeah, uh, I was talking about an existing guy so, currently in the rotation was what I was getting
2: So the at. guy who's, who's going to get dealt, to me, is probably Nathan Evaldi. If you're going to go get a power bat, Nathan Evaldi is probably the odd man out.
0: Okay, I agree with I that. Know,
2: I don't know if you can find someone to eat that salary. Probably not. Probably take a big haircut. It's $7 million, uh, of the 17. But He's probably the guy that you move to a team that's looking for, you know, whether it be a bullpen arm or whether it be a, a starting pitcher. He's the guy you could probably move because he's easily replaced by either Hauk or,
0: or by Connor Siebold next season.
1: We're probably. I tweeted this out. I tweeted this out a, I I got...
0: this out a couple weeks ago. I'm sorry, Terry.
1: Yeah, it's okay. Go ahead.
0: So, in terms of looking for an outfitter, what do you guys? I, he's not a big power guy, but I like this guy. What do you guys think of David Peralta from Arizona?
1: That's an interesting... I don't
0: think he would take a lot. I don't, I think you could get
2: him for relatively less than you could get some of the other guys on the market. But I think if you're going to part with a starting pitcher, uh, you're not going to be able to get rid of sales coming off Tommy John, even if you wanted to. Um, and then the rest of those guys are cheap, and we know that's what Han wants to do. He doesn't want to pick up any extra money. So if you're going to lose a guy from the rotation, Terry, I think, like you mentioned, Evolve, he's probably the only one.
1: I, this is a pipe dream for me, but I, I'd love to somehow, some way get a guy like Nick Castellanos. I, I don't think it wouldn't make sense because if they were to add a guy like avoldi they're going for it, and they're not going to give up a guy like Castellanos. But um, but we would have to eat money if it if it was Ivaldi. I doubt we could get a team to take the full seventeen per year. He he's only got one year beyond twenty twenty one. Uh, on his deal, so it's not impossible to move. Here's here's one guy I think it could be, and this, this could be kind of savage, but what if it is Eduardo Rodriguez? I mean, I think he would net the biggest return.
2: I think so, too. Um, but I think you have to see either Tedder Hauck or Connor Siebold in the rotation by July 1st, if you want that to happen.
1: It's all predicated on that. If those two go down and they have surgery, then th- this whole scenario is, is probably out. Well, we have that Winchowski guy, but I doubt we would uh, leave ourselves that thin. But I agree with that. I also
2: think even if they don't go down for surgery, if they're not in the big leagues and showing that they can make four starts through the rotation by the trade deadline, I don't know how you can move Eduardo Rodriguez without uproar from the fan base, especially if, and knock on wood, we're still only, you know, we're still in it or within a couple of games of being in it, the AL East is like you said, Terry, razor fit. So it, how do you move on from a guy like Eduardo Rodriguez, unless you've shown somebody, can
1: do it well the other thing that this is kind of predicated on is that Richards is still going to be giving you most of what he has given us and that Nick Pavetta is still going to be very solid so then you add sale to that mix you have Avaldi Perez I mean that's extremely serviceable and then throw Tanner Houck in that I just think I think Erod is expendable I think he's the sexiest name in this rotation and could net a guy like Hein Bloom the biggest return? Would the optics be good with the fan base? Absolutely not. Because if you were to pull, I guarantee you 80 to 90% of them, they think he's probably coming back next year. And I don't think so. <laughs> I personally don't think so. I don't either. Nor do I. I think he's going to be
2: outpriced for him. But I also think in game two of a playoff series, who do you hand the ball to? And in my mind, the guy who wanted the ball out of all seven of those guys you just named, assuming Chris Sale takes the ball game one, is Eduardo Rodriguez. And God forbid Sale comes back and has some complications, needs to be shut down in September. Well, now you're looking at no Sale and no e run It's a terrible
0: then the playoffs, look for Bloom.
2: Then the playoffs are a real far fetch. So I, I think Bloom, as much as he would like to probably deal a guy like Eduardo Rodriguez for prospect return, and maybe even, you know, if you can get him back in the off season, pull something like what the Yankees did with Chapman, where they traded him for a bunch of prospects to uh, Chicago and then went and picked him up in the off season. I just don't see it happening because if you do that and it backfires, your your job is is gone.
1: I, there's risk I though. Play. There's there's always risk. I mean, the the Padres traded for Clevenger, one or two starts in, they lost him. So, I I mean, you live by the sword. You you die by the sword sometimes. But do you want to weigh in on one last thing, Doug?
0: Yeah, I guess it really would depend on where we are near the deadline. If we're in contention, are not going to move Erod, even though I think Bloom would love to do it. But that's a terrible look, especially for a fan base that's, you know, I would say to be nice is 50-50 torn on Bloom. Me, I'm into the camp of I don't like him that much. So I wouldn't, like I said, if we were out of it, I wouldn't hate it because, you know, it was not a rental. One year deal. So if we really wanted, we could sign him in the back in the off season. I don't think Bloom would do that though. But it's just such a terrible look from for the optics standpoint of the people that don't really like Bloom now. As you know, they're big Erod guy. There's the fans love Erod. So I don't think that's going to happen unless we're really really out of it. But what about um us trading for another starter though? What about that? Adding a pitcher at the you know adding a starter at the deadline.
1: I think we're too deep. I think.
0: I think
2: so, too. We're one of the few teams that could really, I think, survive with the current depth um, for a starter. Unless, you know, it's it's always possible that they go all in on a, a reliever and go get a guy like Josh Hader, for example, from Milwaukee. If Milwaukee falls off the table, I'd love, you know, if they could trade Eduardo Rodriguez for Josh Hader straight up and maybe get a prospect back, I would do that in a heartbeat if it means that you put Tanner Houck in the rotation, and then you're back in the bullpen. All of a sudden, is Matt Barnes in the eighth, and and Josh Hader in the ninth. Then you're looking at a really, really strong postseason push, in my opinion. Um, but I, I don't think that would happen either. I just don't think the value's there, um, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I mean, a losing team isn't going to take on Rodriguez if it's his walk here. I mean, it wouldn't be. There would have to be prospects in it or something. Um, but it could be a three-team deal because if you think about it, it doesn't make sense for a team to give up pitching to acquire pitching, so to speak.
2: I mean, I would send I would send him out to Anaheim. You know, would be my perfect trade partner. Uh, if you are Heim Bloom, I would keep a, a constant line of communication with Anaheim about picking up Eduardo Rodriguez at the deadline. Uh, if you're looking to if you're looking to move him, because. They're a team that is desperate for starting pitching. They went out and signed Jose Quintana, who I know I advocated for us to take uh, early on. He's got like a nine ERA. Um, He pitched pretty well against us last week, but he's not been good. And they are feeling the pressure to get Mike Trout to the playoffs. So that's a team that I think could go out there and try to make a push for a starting pitcher. Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be the number one Name people are are saying at the trade deadline if Boss
0: does look to make a deal. Yeah. How far is Anaheim going to be out though in the next six to eight weeks without Trout though? Are they going to be in contention to even try to add a pitcher though at that point?
2: That's
1: a good point. I, who knows? Yeah. I'm just
2: I'm just thinking that if you if you're looking for somebody who needs a pitcher and is in desperation mode, Anaheim is probably top of the list. There are other teams who are looking for a pitcher, but I don't see you dealing him within the AL East. You know, I, I don't think you're going to give him to the Yankees. Um, I I, I know who it'll be. Pick
1: I know exactly who it would be. The Atlanta Braves. Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton out of his mind right now. Just can't pitch. Soroka probably not coming back cuz he had a, a setback, going to have surgery again. Atlanta needs pitching, so that that could be a a good dance partner. They have a great farm system. Um you know, so we'll see. But
0: I'll say one, this. One point when you're done. I got a point when you're done.
1: I, all I'm just going to say is Heim Bloom doesn't seem to want to keep any of the Dombrowski holdovers. So
0: That's exactly what I was going to say. So what if he expanded? I don't want this to happen because I hope we're in contention. But Atlanta's bullpen is miserable. So how, how happy would Bloom be to send Erod and Barnes to Atlanta? Because Atlanta needs a bullpen guy badly. Uh, so can't. I guarantee Bloom is like
1: well, we can't give up Barnes. I mean, I'm
0: uh... no, I'm saying, but if we're out at the deadline, oh. like we were out of it by then. Oh, okay. Could he, you know, make a bigger package and trade Erod with Barnes. Okay. And then maximize full potential back from Atlanta. This, Not... this, I think, is a roster situation
2: where Heimblum expected us to be out by the deadline. And if we were out by the deadline, the guys who are gone include J.D. Martinez, Eduardo Rodriguez, Matt Barnes every contract guy. So he could start from absolute zero uh, and rebuild the team from, from nothing and just prospects that he picked up. Thank God we're not there because another year, last place baseball and I'd be ready to ride on this ownership.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, getting into the final topic here, we'll just spend a few minutes on it. Um, as far as the AL East and I'm, I'm thinking the Sox are going to still contend for the division, as negative as I am at times. Who are you guys most afraid of in this division?
2: Well, uh, I picked the Toronto Blue Jays to win the American League East in our first episode of the year uh, where we get our preseason predictions. I'm sticking with that prediction. I think they are the toughest opponent uh, for us in this division. but. Big caveat here, if they can't get back to the Rogers Center down the stretch in August, September, I don't know if they're as intimidating. I think driving up to Buffalo and playing in front of AAA fans in a AAA ballpark, if you're taking away a big home field advantage, then they don't scare me as much. That's my caveat. But if they are rolling the way that they can go, and they go get a starting pitcher at the deadline, which they probably will do, uh, they are the team that scares me the most.
0: Doug? Yeah, at the start of the season, I had picked Tampa Bay to win the East. But right now, today, the biggest threat, in my mind, of the Toronto Blue Jays as well. The lineup's frightening. And they don't have George Springer. They're a $150 million man. They lead the league in home runs, the American League in home runs. None of these uh, none of these teams have a, a rotation that scares you, really. So if the Blue Jays go and add a, you know, a starter at the deadline, they have an ace in Hunjin Ryu there, which, like we said, they're gonna make a, they're gonna make a deal. They're not scared to spend money. They don't care about payroll as much as we do and the Yankees do at this point in time. And so I believe they'll improve that club. But the thing is with Buffalo, I believe they went like 17 and nine last year with Buffalo, so they played well in Buffalo. They're the nomads. They play. It seems like they just go and play where they don't care. They'll just play. And like you said, that home field advantage, it seems to work out for them in this series with us because, well, I went with the series, but like we had no idea what to the expect there in Florida. They do. But I would say Toronto, Tampa Bay still scares me a little bit, but the blue Jays are the team that frightens me the most.
1: I The team I picked to win the division was Tampa. And They were. They haven't looked bad all year, but they're really coming on. They're thirteen and five in the month of May. Ryan Yarbrough starting to pitch really well. He's been one of their back end guys. Josh Fleming, who admittedly I'm not too familiar with, probably plucked him off the farm, pitching to a two three four ERA. Glass now just he's a Tampa guy. Yeah.
2: He's just a Tampa guy. One of those guys that everybody else writes off and he comes in and is absolutely dominant and he'll go somewhere else on a free agent deal and suck.
1: (laughs) But yeah, probably,
2: but he's dominant right now.
1: He's pitching very well. And and so is Rich Hill had a couple of gems, quite frankly, recently. I'm, I'm a little bit worried about the sustainability of him being 41 over the course of a long season, but for now pitching very well. Tyler Glass now just his, in his last start dominated the Mets. Uh, went pitched eight innings, struck out ten. Um, this is a team that's really coming on, and the Red Sox since that winning streak, we're fi- we're a five hundred ball club since then. So um, thirteen and five the month of uh, May for for the Rays. Remember Jeffrey Springs sucked so bad out of our bullpen last year, two fifty five ERA. 255 ERA. I hate Tampa Bay. (laughs) Me too. Can't stand them. Yeah. And ultimately, the reason I picked them is the Red Sox are flawed. The Yankees are flawed. And they're going to have sustainability issues themselves, I think. The Blue Jays are flawed. Every team is flawed. But the one manager in this division that can manage outside the box and do it well because he has no choice but to do it every year is Kevin cash. And I just, I don't think anybody can out Kevin cash, Kevin cash. I, I just as talented as Alex Cora is and Charlie Montoyo, the, the blue Jays manager seems like he's a, a smart manager. Um, Tampa's my boogeyman right now, but we'll see. I will admit though, that the Blue Jays do have a World Series lineup, especially when, when Springer comes back. That is a World Series offense right there. But their their rotation, I mean, Stripling, Robbie Ray, Stephen Mats—um, just really the only one you can rely on is Ryu, and, and he's got durability issues. So um, Yeah, I
2: mean, they have a who's who of, of could-have-beens or used-to-be pitchers in Toronto. That's kind of the, the issue um, with their team, but they're going to go out and spend some money at the deadline. Uh, I just, uh, they scare me because they know how good they're going to be. And they still have, you know, like Doug Meckin, George Springer hasn't even really gotten going. He hasn't even played yet because he's been hurt. That deal is going to cost them in the long run. They're going to absolutely hate themselves for it. They probably already do. But when he's healthy and he'll get healthy at some point this year, that lineup is very, very deep.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if they go get Max Scherzer, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Nationals, I think, are going to starting to claw their way back into it, but we'll see. The the Rays, actually, I did forget to mention they've swept the last two series in a row. One was um the the Mets, and I think the other was Baltimore. So, uh, so we'll see. But it's it's an intense race. Four teams are well into it in this division. It's insane. Only the Orioles are out of it. So uh so well, it's gonna be
0: a blast going down the stretch.
1: Yeah. A lot a lot of the divisions. The the Astros and the A's looks really intense. I just I'm having a lot of fun with this baseball season, even outside of Boston. So but you last thought, Joe, or no?
2: Yeah, I was just gonna say we have yet to play the New York Yankees as of Friday, May twenty first, when we record this episode. Um, none of us mentioned the Yankees. Everybody in our preseason prediction show on the show, except you and I, Terry picked the Yankees to win um the American League East. They're all kind of eating pro at the moment. But I wonder if some of our opinions and our tunes will start to change once we you know actually have to go into new york and and face Garrett Cole um and then, you know, whoever the hell else they roll out there. I'm just I'm not scared of the Yankees right now because they're not healthy. But, you know, the caveat with the Yankees is if they get healthy, they could always be, you know, a scary lineup. So this is going to be a a dogfight to the end. I can't wait.
1: Absolutely. So with that, we will wrap. We'll be back with the early week crew on Sunday night, Charlie Smith, Jason Kelly, to. Talk about the Philly series, which looks like an interesting one. Again, two first-place teams going at it. So we'll be back Sunday night to
0: talk about what went down. We'll see you then. Take care.